Welcome to season two of the Best Boss Ever podcast series, where our accomplished guests share amazing stories about their best bosses, their career paths, how they got to where they are, and what the future looks like from here. And also the what not to do's from their worst bosses. Make these stories all the more interesting because you know it, we've all been there. Thanks for joining us today and stay tuned because the hits just keep on coming. Today's guest, Alex O'Brien, is the co-founder and CEO of the Cardinal Group of Companies, which serves the college student rental market, both on and off campuses nationwide. Now operating in 37 states and nearly 100 markets, the company has been on an annual growth track that's truly astounding, and they're not slowing down. Alex has adopted the core tenets of leadership and management in accountability, excellence, and across-the-board buy-in from all of his teammates and constituents. He's passionate about bringing the Cardinal vision, culture, and playbook to life with all team members and all of the communities they serve. Alex holds a BS in finance from Miami University's Farmer School of Business and his MBA from the prestigious University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. He proudly served in the United States Marine Corps as a supply and logistics officer, which included two tours in the Middle East and the Pacific. Now living in Denver, Colorado with his wife, Megan, and four children, he is a member of NMHCs. He's gonna tell us what that actually means, uh, and the National Student Housing Committee, and is a ULI young leader in the Denver community. Hey, Alex, can't thank you enough for being our guest today. Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast series. Thanks, Carl. This is this is awesome. I uh, I'm so pumped to be here with you and uh, tell you more about Cardinal Group. And I've loved your podcast. I think I like it every time you post something. So maybe just being a raving fan gets you on the, these podcasts. So, <laughs> um, yeah, glad to be here. Well, let's just say that part doesn't hurt. But your accomplishments, the way you lead, how far you've come in such a short period of time, and where you're going is the core of this show. And we always start with the same question. So who was the best boss or influencer you've ever had? And explain to us why. Yeah, that's such a cool question. I actually spent a lot of time going back uh, throughout my entire career, which was almost just a fun walk down memory lane. And all the way back to, uh, you know, I started to work really young at McDonald's when I was like 14. And I worked in a furniture warehouse back in my hometown, Dayton, Ohio. So it was like really funny just to spend time almost uh, going down memory lane. But, you know, for me, I think it's pretty obvious that a lot of my leadership developments came through my time in the Marine Corps. And I was just really blessed to work with just some amazing guys, a few that I'll give a shout out to before getting to my actual best boss, but Colonel Randy Newman, Colonel Kaczynski after that was just so amazing to be a young man learning from these established leaders who had just the weight of the world on them, especially during that time as we were going through deployments and, and obviously in the early 2000s. And I know this is fresh on everyone's mind over the last few days with the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but just to, to be a Marine Corps officer during that time was just such an amazing opportunity for leadership and growth and learning. And so I just had some amazing leaders, but I think the one that really stands out 
in, in my mind was uh, Mike Targos, who was our battalion's executive officer and that I worked for and was just such an amazing person and that I think he made me see something in myself that I just didn't know was there. And maybe a lot of people, that's what they want in their boss, you know, someone that like makes them believe in themselves. And, you know, being a young second lieutenant and just out of college and, and really hadn't even started my my leadership journey, just to have someone really lean in and encourage and correct, <laughs> you know, and hold you accountable and it was just really changed the trajectory. And I think that's what a lot of young leaders need. You know, they need someone to help them point that arrow up. And that's what Mike did for me. And, and you know, if I look back now, looking at what he was able to do for me, you know, 20 years, if you change the just the angle of something just a little bit, you know, it's like an airplane. If you're one degree off, you end up being in an airport, you know, a thousand miles away by the time you get overseas. Like if someone just points your trajectory just a few percent higher, you know, just a, a, an angle, just a little bit higher. Now looking 20 years later, what I've been able to accomplish, I'm just so grateful and thankful and you learn a lot by having great leaders. You learn a lot by having not great leaders. And, and I've, seen, I've seen both and I've seen what's worked and what hasn't worked. And having a, a leader like Mike Targos for me was just, it changed my career. And I'm always very grateful and thankful. And I spend a lot of time now giving back to veterans through kind of a transition group here in Denver, primarily because I'm just so thankful not just to have been a Marine Corps officer, but knowing the impact that other Marine Corps officers had on me in my career. And I want to do that now for, for other transitioning lieutenants or, or officers or whatever. So, so yeah, I've, uh, I've been blessed to have some really good ones, but you know, Mike is just uh, really sticks out for me. Such a great foundation to build on. Are you and Mike still in touch? I do check in with them and, you know, I really followed his transition out of the military and it, it almost really, spoke to me to see just some of the challenges you know to me this is like this is the guy this is the leader this is an amazing person who's led uh, you know thousands of people and then to see you know and i don't want to say challenges i don't want to kind of make that the point of the show but to see kind of the opportunity presented to senior military officers as they transition really kind of led me to this group valor bridge here in denver colorado which helps transitioning veterans. But, you know, it, it was like, in my mind, these, these men were qualified CEOs, you know, but the business community and the, and the transition away from military made them mid-level managers, you know, and so I just really had a passion for, you know, going back and making sure that the whole world knows that, you know, these these amazing people that served in the military are also going to be amazing business leaders. So I have kept up with him and kept up with his journey and his family, probably not to the extent I would like to. And 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 maybe when he hears this podcast, he'll get a kick of uh, out of this, knowing just what a, an amazing impact he's had on on my career and and where I've been able to to get today. Well, that's that's a great comment, and you will make sure he does get a chance to listen. To this podcast. So you don't come from a sort of, if you will, a career, a 20-year stint in the Marine Corps. You stayed in for how many years? I was in about five years. I did the ROTC at 
Miami University, which is in Ohio. I know a lot of people probably think Florida, but I'm talking about the uh, the school in Ohio, Miami of Ohio. And, and I did the RTC program, went, went into the Marine Corps, and then got out and started this crazy journey of entrepreneurship in 2007. And so, yeah, it was like a, an entire doctorate degree on leadership in a five-year window, just being able to to lead Marines and, and certainly during a crazy time in our country in terms of like deployments and just everything going on in the world. So yeah, I, it's amazing what I learned in five years and, and no doubt, you know, others have had a similar experience of just leadership growth based on their time in the military. Right. Well, to use your word, the trajectory that he helped lift you toward has held you in good stead. So the crazy world of entrepreneurship is should be a song because it's exactly what it is. But did you do a parallel track when you went to grad school? I mean, you went to one of the best business schools in the world, let's be real. And were you simultaneously running the company? Had you already started it? Yeah, I you know, I looked back. Someone was telling me a story today on the like this idea and they said, "Well, I only applied to one school and that was my dream school and if I didn't get in, you know, I just wasn't going. And someone's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then so I didn't have the heart to share. That's actually how I approach business school. I went to the uh, US, you know, news world, whatever the little MBA rankings, I knew that I, I wanted to get an MBA. And I felt like it would be almost playing catch up a little bit in terms of I had these really unique experiences as a Marine Corps officer. But I had no idea what consulting and, and investment banking and finance and all this, you know, uh, was at the time private equity. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to business school and that's going to fill in the gap. And then I'll be, you know, 30, I've had a few years in the Marine Corps, you know, I'll have kind of a start to entrepreneurship and then I'll, I'll be ready to go. And and so I literally only applied to the University of Chicago and luckily I did get in and one of the namesakes for the downtown campus of the University of Chicago was was a Marine Corps officer and, and had a great career. And, and, and I'm really thankful because, you know, he still had a heart for Marines specifically, and, and I think was able to at least see, you know, a qualified candidate uh, in, in myself. And, and so going to the University of Chicago was, was unbelievable. It was unique for me because I wasn't filling out resumes. I wasn't looking for an internship. I was literally, you know, I'd already started Cardinal Group with my partners and I was I was taking everything I learned and going back to my office and saying, okay, how does this apply to Cardinal Group? Um, so it was really unique. A lot of people obviously use the MBA as like this transition period of their career. And I was using it as a live case study, <laughs> you know, learning and then seeing how that could make me a better leader, a better executive, how I could make Cardinal a better place, even though at that point we were really small. You know, so it was really interesting. I was a non-traditional student in that in that regard. And, um, but yeah, I was uh, I was busy. It was busy because I was a full-time student and full-time trying to build and grow my own company. Well, the, that workload is pretty incredible. But you're not the first I've talked to who has had that exact same parallel track and the learning by doing, asking the questions of how to apply what I just thought I learned what I did learn, how does it work in the real world? Those real life, real work experiences, putting what might be called academic principles to the acid test, 
are so, so important because you know pretty fast if they work or not, or if they're meaningful or not, or where they might sit in the hierarchy of the business uh, path you chose. Additionally, I'll make the comment just because I think it's so cool. You were a multiple winner at the <laughs> University of Chicago, not only being able to get your MBA and apply it to the Cardinal companies, but you met your wife there. That's right. And, and we both had said, we're not going to meet someone at business school and, and that's not going to happen. And then of course it did. And, and obviously I think, uh, in any partnership, it's amazing to just have a partner that's so supportive and also just so intelligent, so capable, so understanding of kind of what I'm trying to do and so supportive. And, you know, as if anyone can challenge me to get better and grow, she can. So it's been a great, just an amazing partnership. And, and obviously, you know, balancing not just my role as an executive and the CEO of this company, but also my role at home with four children and, and my desire for, you know, to be a great father and what that means. And, and, you know, my own life, I had kind of an interesting journey with, you know, not knowing my own biological father. And then, you know, by the, the grace of God, my, my mother marrying a great man who adopted me and then became my stepfather, which, you know, was really just my father. So, you know, I take that like balance in both responsibilities very seriously. So, you know, to pull it all off, to balance your own career, your, your marriage, your children, like you just have to, you have to have great partners professionally and personally. And I've been blessed with both. I've had great, you know, the co-founders of Cardinal Group have been amazing partners through the last 15 years. And I have a great partnership at home. Um, so, Anytime any of those are out of balance, it's hard to make it all work. And so I've uh, I've been blessed to, to have great partners in, in both regards. Well, I can certainly underscore the home aspect of that. I first met your wife, Megan, 20 years ago, maybe even 21 years ago. It was a while. It was a while ago. She and, you know, my daughter, Whitney, are the best of friends, have been for all of those years, having met at UCLA. So I, I know from whence I speak in that regard, but I've never met any of your Cardinal Company partners. And I really want to explore that a little bit because choosing a partner in business is and can be as important as choosing a partner in, in life to help you lead your family. So talk to us a little bit about your partners, you don't have to name names. It's totally up to you. But how did you all come together? How did the, the idea for the Cardinal Company originate? And give us a little bit of a of a, of a look back in, and then bring us forward. Yeah, man. And what a what a fun journey that we've had between the four of us and even five. We had a, another founding partner who was here in the early years named Tom Waldron, who was a good friend of mine, a college roommate, and just an, just an amazing guy. And you know, although it was only kind of the early part of the, the cardinal journey was still a you know important factor in kind of what we are today. But yeah, I, I don't think we appreciated the importance of choosing your business partners then. But my goodness, we got lucky because we just had such a, a good, balanced, stable partnership built on respect. You know, people who would come in from the outside, you know, I mean, we'd get in the boardroom and kind of duke it out and have tough skin. And, but we just had such alignment and kind of dual respect. And I think those things are just crucial in, in a business partnership. And, you know, we had certainly complementary skills and we, 
you know, there are certain kind of just technical skills that you just expect. I was, I'd call those kind of table stakes, but you know, the fact that we were able to come together at, you know, 20, 25 years old without as much vision or strategies, maybe some people now give us credit for, but to pick partners that we were able to have a respectful kind of last 15 years of just growing and winning and losing and failing and all, all together, you know. And I think what was interesting about the partnership is that it kind of set foundational parts of the company that I don't think a lot of people appreciate. But, you know, a lot of what we do at Cardinal Group culturally has to do with we achieve more as a team than as individuals, which obviously is a page right out of the Marine Corps book on a focus on mission and, and working together as a team. And But, you know, to be able to accomplish so much as a team, like we'll look back to our partnership. You know, there's four of us working together, kind of a, a one for all, all for one approach when we were starting the business. And so when you look and people say, why, why is there so much like team language and it's so team centric? It's like, well, that's how we started the business. And secondly, you know, we could never just wave a wand and just say, I'm doing it my way, like some business founders may have or, you know, during a startup or whatever. And and we so we always really believed in kind of intellectual honesty and best idea wins. And those are literally hallmarks of Cardinal Group today. And our managers and our directors, our VPs, this idea that, you know, your title doesn't just get you able to just do what you want. It's the intellectual rigor to make sure that it's truly the best idea wins. You know, it's the challenging of the status quo. It's the question of why are we doing it this way? And that's how we started the company. So when people say, well, how did you decide to make this, you know, part of the culture? It's like, we didn't decide, it just always was there. You know, that's how we started. So I think that the strength of our partnership, the respect, the alignment we've always had, it has just been a really stabilizing part of the success of Cardinal Group. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, so much has happened. We always joke we're, we're kind of an overnight success. It just took 15 years to, <laughs> to actually do it. But, you know, so much has actually happened in those 15 years that have kind of led us to where we stand today and all the partners active and in, in part of the business, which, you know, has just been really amazing to think that, um, and, and that won't always be the case. And, we, and we're mature about that. But just to think, you know, four people who got together with entrepreneurial spirit and a belief that we could start a business together to think that we got that decision right. And wow, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for because that is such a key decision. And if it's not right, the business will never will never work. So we're just really grateful that that it worked for us and that we picked the right partners and have had a lot of success together. Well, that core DNA that you just described, I, I love that comment. We didn't have to learn it. We didn't have to define it. It was always there. So were any of your partners military veterans? No. I always joke the three of them got together and then they said, shit, we need someone that can work. <laughs> and so they, they came and recruited me. You know, they're like, here's a working guy. But no, in all seriousness, I think the diversity of our backgrounds just worked nicely. You know, there was different real estate backgrounds professionally, just different walks of life. You know, some commonality that really brought us together, but enough a difference in, in skill set and point of views and that just kind of worked. You know, I do think if you're starting a business, like 
choosing a partner that's just a replica of yourself is a waste, right? Like you actually want people that are just different, bringing different skills and different things to the table. So um, I was the only um, veteran and which was nice because I think, you know, I really had a passion for organizational behavior. I really did believe that if we did this right, and, and my partner Dell certainly had the same belief of like being a very people-centric, a very culture-centric business. So, you know, for me to start what largely is a financial investment business with a focus on the people side of it, it just fit really nicely into who I am, my desires, and, and even my experiences up to that point. So, you know, each of us kind of brought something different. And and so I was, uh, I don't want to say I was a token military guy, but uh, just maybe kind of worked that way. Right. Well, your humility around all of this is extraordinary, Alex, but I'm going to ask the leading question here. Was it obvious from the get-go that you would be the emergent CEO? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, people always ask me about that. And I was like, I just, I really do love being on a team. We used to joke, titles don't matter. And people say, well, then I'll take the CEO title. It's like, just kidding. <laughs> um, but I became a CEO in May of, of 2020. And it was just a real honor for me, for my partners to want me to become the CEO. And especially given, you know, I'd always really loved operations and serving as a CEO. But ultimately, I just loved the, the people of this business. So to be to be in a leadership position, especially kind of the, the the face of the organization, if you will, you know, the kind of the responsibilities that the CEO title carries. And certainly given my military background, I understand that with title comes great responsibility. Um, not just it's not that it comes great power, but it really has just so much that is required. And I take that very seriously. So for my partners to say, you know, we'd like you to be the next CEO of the business just really meant a lot for me. I told him it was my first promotion in 10 years. So it was about time, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I do think that the blend of, you know, even in the MBA, if you think about it, is just this kind of generalist degree. I know enough about all parts of our business to kind of be effective, but then also really focus on what does it mean to work at this company? What does it mean to have a strong culture? So, you know, I think just this multifaceted discipline just kind of stood out and that was great and, and certainly a humbling moment for me. And really, you know, given that COVID was, it was kind of emerging at that time, you know, these conversations were obviously happening pre-May um, as we looked at what a transition would actually look like. But, you know, to step into and be announced as a CEO at the start of uh, at the COVID pandemic it just meant a lot, you know, because I think I think leaders want to show and, and have that leadership challenge. And, you know, it meant a lot to me to kind of take the reins right at a moment where companies needed lead. You can't manage through crisis. You know, that's not how it works. And and so we have a great leadership team. We have some very just amazing depth and breadth of leadership. And so I'm still honored today. I think Carl, I'm honored every day. It's just always amazing when I wake up and say, I'm, you know, I, I carry all the responsibility of being the CEO of, of Cardinal Group, a company, a large company known for being a great place to work. And, and then, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of a daily reminder for me of like, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to do this. And 
I have great responsibility to the people of this organization. Well, clearly you've articulated that to a T. You know, there's that old saw, right? Lead, follow, or get out of the way. And leadership is the practical application of everything you just described. And it's brick by brick, block by block, right? You create this mosaic, but at the core of it is the leader. And you just don't lead solo, you lead a team. And the team has respect, they're integrated. Uh, the alignment word you used earlier on, I love. So let's do a little blocking and tackling here, right? I know you're a Buckeye fan. So four guys start. 15 years ago, today, as we're recording this, how many employees? We have about 2,200 team members around the country. And I, I'm a big believer that words matter. And so as kitschy as it is to, to kind of replace that word, you know, we are very intentional on in the words we use about our culture. And so we, um, we've grown, uh, you know, 40% a year since the start. And, and obviously that starts compounding. So you know, we're, we're at 2,200 team members and growing, and we have no signs of slowing down right now. We have great products, a great customer base, a really strong leadership team. So, you know, there was a time where my partner, Dell, would say, well, what, how's this company going to look when we have a thousand people? And at that time we had, you know, 200 and we're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he was a great visionary in that regard. And, um, you know, now I sit here today saying, well, what's it going to look like when we have 3,000, 4,000 people. And that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem crazy because of just the, the growth opportunity that's right at our fingertips and the brand and reputation that we have. So I'm really excited, not just about, you know, the growth we've had now, but, you know, how many lives we're going to be able to impact through this business. You know, that is just, it's crazy to think there's 2,200 people that if we do our jobs and we make this a great place to work, their lives are better. And then their families' lives are better and their friends' lives and their loved ones. And, and then our residents' lives are better. So, you know, it's, it's really cool to think about the multiplication effect of the impact we can have with such a big, a big team all across the country. No, listen, it's geometric as opposed to arithmetic, right? It's not linear. It expands dramatically over time for all the reasons you, you just described. So you are where you are today. And by the way, you've been super gracious with your time. So whether it's 4,000 or 5,000, whether it's going from 37 states to 45 states, I don't know how many college campuses you, you operate on today, but, but at the end of the day, um, the culture, the leadership style, the accountability, I love the term team member, the first time I heard a version of that, I was in the entertainment industry and the Walt Disney Company called all of their staff past members because what Walt Disney did and still does every single day was put on a show. And it didn't matter whether you were at Disneyland in Anaheim or Walt Disney World or you were watching one of their awesome films, every full-time staff member in that company was referred to as a cast member and that always stuck with me so kudos kudos to you for the for the term team member because that's exactly what they are and when you lead a team the team works better when it's aligned to a vision a mission and there's that core element of trust 
that sits at the very center of any team. Yeah, I think that's that's right. And I'm certainly a student of the game and like to study great companies like Disney. But, you know, I think your comment on lead, follow, or get out of the way, I think to give other leaders the ability to do the same is get out of the way sometimes. And that's where trust comes in. And I think where some leaders can get caught up on always feeling like it's all on them. And I've just been, <laughs> I've just been so lucky and blessed that our culture just attracts amazing people. And so I think that all three of those things you have to do, you know, you have to lead, if you're a leader, you have to lead, but you also have to know when to follow. And and then, especially as a CEO, you definitely have to know when just to get out of the way, you know, and let other leaders, you know, take it and run with it. And that's really been a great part of our growth. And I think what allowed that exponential growth was when we said, this isn't a founder led business, this is an executive led business, and we need to bring in great people to surround ourselves with, to get diverse thoughts and ideas, to build, you know, a deep leadership team at this organization. And so I do love to lead a team. I love to be on a team, so I don't mind following others. And I love just actually getting out of the way and watching and being a coach and a fan and just watching, you know, the rest of my team just make great decisions. Even ones I don't agree with, I'm like, all right, awesome. Like, glad you make the call and kind of go with it. And so I think leaders have to know it's okay to get out of the way. It's okay. (laughs) You know, it's not all on you all the time. Like, do all three of the things that Carl said. Like, those are all (laughs) important. (laughs) Do what he said. (laughs) Do what Carl said. Um, Yeah, get the hell out of the way. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we get into some fun parts here, Alex, what we haven't heard from you is a clear, succinct articulation of actually what? the Cardinal Group of Companies does on a daily basis. So give us a a snapshot, right? An elevator paragraph, if you will. So the folks who listen to this actually know what the heck you're doing. Yeah, so we're a fully integrated real estate investment management construction marketing firm that provides access to largely the multifamily market with a focus on student market rate and affordable housing. That's the elevator pitch. So that's the actual what what makes money and what the tactical piece of our business does. And and uh, you mentioned, obviously, the on-campus and off-campus student housing piece, which was our kind of bread and butter for a long time and where we grew, where we built this company. And then we've continued to expand into other businesses and sectors. And, and frankly, I'm really excited about some of the other sectors we're growing in, especially affordable housing. I think that you know, more than ever, this country needs to have a conversation around housing affordability and um, and for Cardinal Group to kind of start getting into that business and to choose the right partners and to be able to hopefully disrupt a little bit. You know, that was always our goal in student housing was just to kind of come in and disrupt things and, and challenge the status quo. And so, so yeah, that's what we actually do. That's where our revenue comes from. And So (laughs) that's awesome. And I mean, we would all learn, could learn more at the Cardinal Company website. Why don't you just tick off the URL so anyone who listens to this and has an interest can can actually see what you're doing and and who y'all are. Yeah, cardinalgroup.com. And I think what people will discover and people have asked this before, they said, when I go to your site, I can barely tell you're a real estate company. And I said, our website's for the people of our business, you know, our team members to show what it's like to work here. And certainly you can see a portfolio with a bunch of dots and you can see nearly every state colored in that we operate in and all these product types. But at the end of the day, our website's intended to show everyone 
what what is the culture of this business like and what is it like to work there and because that's who that's ultimately what we're focused on is the 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 people that work here because those people that's our whole business you know we provide housing our residents uh, you know we take care of people's homes and so everything we do is very people centric well, and by the way, the next 3,000 employees that you hire, and you will, over the next few years, they're going to want to want to go to work for the Cardinal Company. And that's exactly what that website is all about. I love this. Such a great story. Listen, we've got a few minutes left, Alex, and we do three regular features here. And I will admit that I gave you a little bit of an imprimatur on what they are. But we all have to eat. We all eat every day for the most part. So your most memorable meal, home, restaurant, kind of what, where it was, what you ate and the story behind it. Yeah, that's such a great question. And even though you gave me a little pre-warning on that, it was still such a hard answer. And um, part of it kind of took me back to my own childhood of, you know, of the four boys in my family, I was always the one hanging out in the kitchen with my mom and watching her cook and, and helping and learning to cook. But, you know, I think that, one that really stands out is a recent few years ago, an anniversary that my wife and I had in, in Lake Tahoe, where we were just, it was just this amazing meal at Jake's overlooking the lake, just having a great conversation. And just, I just remember having this like strong feeling of gratitude of like, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky, you know? And I think that everyone everyone should be able to say that about something in their life, you know, just that like, I'm lucky. And, and I just remember that meal, just feeling this, this, like that feeling and that, so that really stands out to me. Certainly, you know, with four kids, I think my palate's like really gotten plain. I was like, <laughs> the tacos aren't as spicy. The, you know, the, the spaghetti sauce is a little more saucy than vegetables, but, uh, you know, so maybe that's why that meal stands out because it actually was just tasted so good because, uh, you know, we do a lot of family meals. Although the food's so important, you know, I've really made a commitment that like I go home every night. It's just super important to me. I can work late, but I never want to miss dinner. Right. It's just such an important part of, of the family dynamic. And so for me, the, the, the most important meals are the the nondescript Wednesday meals where I'm just sitting there at home with the the family and talking to my kids about their lives and what's going on. Got it. So that's great. So great company, great venue, and an underpinning to the importance of a family. I love that. So number two, anyone who's listened to the Best Boss Ever podcast series knows I'm a huge fan of female musical artists, musicians, bands, what whatever. So a little riff on that question. The favorite concert or show or festival that you've attended where a female artist or a musician or female-led band was the headliner? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. I've I've really gotten away from live music, which sucks, because I used to just love live music from, you know, going to a Lollapalooza down to just a country show or what have you. I think one of the best concerts that I saw in my youth which was funny you know even at 16 my parents would like drop me and my buddies off at river bend which was in cincinnati and it was like three bands which everyone would make fun of ario speedwagon being one of them i think it was foreigner journey and then fleetwood mac so obviously fleetwood and and certainly mick fleetwood doing his whole drum thing like his whole body was like a drum outfit but you know if you if you know fleetwood mac it just i mean what what a voice 
And, you know, I think that's probably the, the female headliner that I can think of. Stevie. So we're calling out Stevie and you're not the first one to do that either, by the way. She was, is, remains an awesome voice in the pantheon of, of female artists. Uh, so good call. Last one and kind of the pithy one, words matter. We talked about that earlier in the show, especially in, in your very sort of public persona, right? You're your leader inside. You also are the voice and the face of what the Cardinal Group is to the external constituents, right? So, your favorite word and why? Well, I get asked a lot on what's the most important Cardinal core value, and certainly most people probably think it's number one. (laughs) But I always come back to number 10, which is be humble, because I think in humility, we can connect, you know, and so much of our lives are about connection and more than ever in the world, you know, it takes the average person to run around, uh, you know, the, the news websites are watching it on TV to know that like, there's plenty of ways to disconnect people. We've, we've figured them all out and we've gotten very good at it, but I think in humility, we can connect and we can admit mistakes. We can admit we don't know everything and can find grace and, and ways to connect. And, and I think for me, that's just, that's the ultimate, you know? So anytime I hire great leaders or, and they ask like, you know, how, how can I be successful at Cardinal? I said, be humble, you know, put others first and have the grace and, and dignity and humility. So that's probably my favorite word. And I think more than ever, and nothing, uh, you know, nothing against the last administration that I would share on the show. But I think that the, we stopped celebrating humility and I'd love to see, you know, businesses and just people get back to that, to recognizing what an important word and trait that is. Well, I can't elaborate on that one spec because this entire session has been the definition of humility, your approach your grace, to use that word, your humility, obviously the dignity and integrity with which you carry yourself and lead your company is evident in virtually every single sentence we heard from you, Alex, over the past few minutes. I cannot thank you enough for being our guest today on the Best Boss Ever podcast series. I I know the Cardinal Companies and and all of the sectors you operate will continue to grow and expand. and, And my very best wishes to you for continued success and my best to your family. Thank you, that was awesome. Thanks for having me on, Carl, this is, this is cool. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us at Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google, Pandora, and many others. Please visit our website at thebestbossever.com where you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Until next week, remember, words matter.